Chapter 26 of Fairy Fingers by Anna Cora Mowat Ritchie. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Kelly Taylor. Chapter 26 Meeting of Lovers. Monsieur de Bois lost no time in communicating to Maurice the result of his visit. He found the young vicomte awaiting him with torturing impatience. Gaston had scarcely said that Madeleine would receive her cousin in an hour when Maurice, without heeding the last words, caught up his hat, convulsively grasped his friend's hand, and, without uttering a syllable, hurried forth. He was acquainted with Madeleine's residence. He had sought it out the night previous, and thither he now hastened. He bounded up the street doorsteps, but paused a moment as his hand touched the bell. Was he again about to look upon that face which he had sought with such fruitless but frenzied ardor? He thought of those days when all creation became a blank because that heaven-lit countenance no longer shone upon him. His brain and heart throbbed and beat at those tumultuous recollections until both seemed mingled in one wild motion. He comprehended Madeleine's character so well that he knew he should find her tranquil and self-possessed. And was he about to enter her presence as voiceless and unmanned as during their brief reconnoitre the day previous? He turned to descend the steps in the hope of collecting his scattered faculties by walking a while, but the very thought of delaying, even for a few moments, an interview for which he had so long pined caused him too sharp anguish for endurance. He seized the bell and rang with a sudden impulse, as though he feared the mansion before which he stood would vanish away and he would wake from one of those old dreams by which he had been haunted. The door opened, and he was at once conducted to Madeleine's boudoir. Madeleine was still sitting before the little table where Gaston de Bois had left her. The sketch she had commenced lay before her, and the pencil beside it, but though she had not moved from her seat, the drawing had not received an additional touch. As Maurice entered, she rose and advanced towards him, stretching out both her hands. Closely clasped those extended hands, he gazed upon her with an expression of rapture. For a moment, the large, clear windows of her soul opened as naturally and frankly as ever, but his look was so full of unutterable tenderness that over her betraying eyes the lids dropped suddenly and her face crimsoned, it might be with happiness which she felt bound to conceal. Madeleine was the first to speak, but the only words she murmured were, Maurice, my dear cousin. How her accents thrilled him! How they brought back the time when that voice, which made all the music of his existence suddenly hushed, awful silence took its place, leaving the memory of departed tones ever sounding in his aching, longing ears. Madeleine, have I found you at last? Oh, how long have we been lost to each other? You have never been lost to me, answered Madeleine involuntarily, but the words were hardly spoken when she repented them. 
I know it. Monsieur de Bois kept you informed of my movements. But, ah, oh, Madeleine, how could you be aware of my anguish and so cruelly refuse a sign by which I might learn that you were near me? I had no alternative. I could not have carried out the project I had formed and which— Madeleine paused and looked around her somewhat proudly, then added, and which you now see crowned with success. If I had run the risk of your tracing me, you would have opposed my undertaking. Do you not feel that you would? Answer that question before you reproach me. Yes, you are right, Madeleine. I fear I should have opposed your enterprise. And yet, believe me, I honor it. I honor you all the more on account of that undertaking. Thank heaven I have lived long enough in this land where men, and women too, have sufficient courage to use their lives, and senseless idlers are the exceptions, to realize that men's work and women's work are alike glorious, that labor is dignified by the hand that toils, and that you, Madeleine, the daughter of a duke, you, the Duchess Mantua-maker, have reached a higher altitude through that very labor than your birth could ever command. Maurice, my cousin, my dear, dear cousin, these words compensate me for all my trials and struggles. I hardly dared to dream that I should hear them from your lips. Ah, oh, today, today when I am about to accomplish one of the ends for which I have most earnestly toiled, today when I shall become full possessor of this mansion, henceforth a home of my own, this day will ever be full of precious memories to me. It will ever be written upon my book of life, moistened with the sweetest tears I ever shed, tears of gratitude and joy. You are to purchase this magnificent mansion. Is it possible? asked Maurice, for the first time looking around him. How can you have achieved this, Madeleine? You have had some friend who aided you, and he paused abruptly. I have had friends, Maurice, warm and devoted friends, answered Madeleine simply. But, he resumed, and hesitated, how, how has all this been brought about? Oh, Madeleine, I have not forgotten. I cannot forget the sad revelation you made to me in Brittany. He whom you love, it is he, he who has protected you, who has enjoyed the exquisite happiness of aiding you by his advice, and by his own means, perhaps, Maurice uttered these words excitedly, and almost in a tone of reproach. No, Maurice, returned Madeleine, growing ghastly pale, and speaking with an effort which gave her voice a hollow, unnatural sound. He whom I love has never aided me. I have received no assistance from him. I have given him no right to offer any. He whom you love, repeated Maurice with culminating anguish, then you love him, you do love him still. Answer me, Madeleine, do not torture me by suspense, answer me, you love him still. As ever, replied Madeleine, and an irrepressible blush chased the ashy whiteness of her cheeks. And he is here, here in America, here in Washington, asked Maurice. Yes. And you see him? You have seen him perhaps this very day? Yes. And he loves you, loves you as much as ever. 
Madeleine silently bowed her head, but the radiant light that overspread her countenance answered more unmistakably than the affirmative action. Ah, oh, Madeleine, can you think, can you believe that his love equals mine? You do not answer. Speak, I implore you. Do you believe that he has loved you as much as I love you? Madeleine felt impelled to reply because she deemed it best for Maurice to be confirmed in his error. In a low, tremulous tone, with her eyes swimming in soft luster of a half-formed tear, she murmured, Yes. No, no, it cannot be, burst forth Maurice. No woman has ever loved twice with such absorbing devotion. You cannot be to him what you are to me. You cannot have saved him from all the perils from which you have saved me. Ah, oh, Madeleine, since you have been selected to fill the place of guardian angel to me, why, why was my love rejected? Why did another rob me of your heart? Why are you willing to unite your faith to his and not to mine? Maurice, said Madeleine, regaining some degree of composure, I shall never forget the noble offer you made when I was a desolate outcast. I shall never forget the joy it gave me, the gratitude it caused me, the good it did me, at the very moment when I was forced, I forced to reject that offer. But had there been no other barrier, could I have consented to become a burden to you? I, poor and friendless, could I have consented to draw down the anger of your family upon you? Could I have consented to separate you from them, to make a lasting feud between you? Say, Maurice, would you have had me to do this? I would have had you leave me still a hope upon which I could have existed until I had fitted myself to enter an honorable profession, until I had a prospect of earning independence through that profession, until I had the right to say to you, as I now might, were you but mine in heart, Madeleine, I have waited patiently and toiled earnestly. Will you share my narrow means, my almost poverty? Will you be my wife? We might be exiles, so to speak, for we should perhaps have been cast off by our own kindred and might never have returned to our native land, but your presence would have made this new country, this young Hercules of lands, this land full of sinews, bones, and muscles, not yet clothed with the rounded symmetry of outward form, but fresh and strong and teeming with promise, a true home to us. Its vast, ever-growing mind would have given new expansion to our own mental faculties. We should have grown spiritually and reached noble heights together. If we had griefs to endure, grief itself would have been sweet to me if we drank it from the same cup. All this might have been, Madeleine, if you loved me as I love you. Madeleine passed her hand over her eyes, as if to shut out some picture of blinding brightness conjured before him by these words, and, looking up with forced serenity, said, Maurice, Though I cannot be your wife, do you refuse to let me take the place of a sister? A sister who loves you with the most tender affection, who will rejoice in your joy and share in your sorrow. 
Look upon her own life as brighter if she brightens yours, since it has been the will of heaven that we should meet again before the time I proposed arrived. There is no need that we should become strangers to each other, because I cannot be all that you desire. Will you not reject such affection as I can offer you? Reject it. No rejection has emanated from your side, he continued bitterly. I was and am unworthy of your affection, your confidence, but what I will grant I will thankfully receive, too poor not to feel enriched even by your coldest regard. Will you prove that to me, Maurice? Yes. How can I do so? By promising that you will never have a sorrow which you do not confide to me, by promising that you will never doubt my ready sympathy, more yet, by giving me an invaluable privilege, one which will make me proud indeed. Do not be offended, Maurice, but, but should you ever need means to carry out any enterprise, and you know in this land how many offer themselves, I would claim the privilege of being your banker, and joining in your undertaking as freely as if I were indeed your sister. You, Madeleine, can you imagine that I could force myself to consent to this? Are you already rich, then? I am becoming rich. I have laid the foundation of wealth. But tell me that you would not reject my sisterly regard, my devotion. Would he whom you love permit this devotion? Yes, answered Madeleine, smiling gravely. It would not render him wretched? It would not exasperate him? questioned Maurice. No. He is not jealous, then? Yes, I fear he is. Very jealous. But not of you. And yet he has cause, returned Maurice, with a violence which he could not control. More cause than I trust he has of being jealous of any other man. And there may be, must be, other men who aspire to love you. Your position, Madeleine, must expose you at time to impertinence. You must need protection. I have a talisman within which protects me ever, answered Madeleine. Ah, I know. The love you bear him, my rival. Let us not speak of him. I cannot endure it. Let us ever banish him from our conversation. I did not mean to make you suffer, said Madeleine soothingly. Before he could reply, Victorine entered with a mysterious air. Her countenance intimated that she had a matter of the utmost importance upon her mind, habituated to some of the little pleasant and supposed to be harmless customs of her own country. She could not comprehend that Mademoiselle Melanie appeared to have no lovers, that she entertained no gentleman in particular. Monsieur de Bois was so openly her friend that mystery never attached itself to his visits. Mr. Hilson was a frequent visitor, but he was a married man, whose wife and daughters were among the most zealous of Mademoiselle Melanie's patrons. Victorine was always on the quivie for the accession of a lover, as a necessary appendage to one in Mademoiselle Melanie's position, and at this moment she felt as though she had a clue to some intrigue. Instead of speaking in an audible tone, she approached Madeleine, 
and glancing dubiously at maurice said in a whisper mademoiselle i have something to communicate what is it said madeleine without the slightest embarrassment a gentleman desires to see mademoiselle melanie immediately and in private whispered victorine he said particularly in private and evidently he is desirous of not being seen he was quite confused when that stupid valet ushered him into the exhibition rooms but fortunately i came to his assistance he was so anxious to escape observation that he would follow me downstairs i therefore ushered him into mademoiselle's private drawing-room did you not ask his name inquired madeleine quietly he would not give his name mademoiselle he said i must deliver you this note when no one was by or slip it in your hand unperceived she spoke in a whisper and gave the note with her back turned to maurice probably supposing that he was not aware of its delivery madeleine broke the seal quite openly at the first line however she changed colour and was visibly disturbed victorine who was watching her closely exulted in secret maurice perceived madeleine's agitation with surprise and pain a suspicion that the letter was from his rival could not be escaped what is it he asked impulsively i cannot tell you replied madeleine hastily refolding the letter can you not tell me from whom this letter comes no no she replied with unusual vehemence alas i know too well returned maurice sadly but why should you be agitated and troubled by what he says what right has he to give you pain you must leave me leave me at once cried madeleine nervously victorine was enchanted the plot thickened here was a mystery and she held the clue to it it was very plain that mademoiselle melanie did not wish these two gentlemen to meet victorine you will conduct monsieur said madeleine i do not wish him to leave by the front entrance you will conduct him through the garden there was a private entrance into the street through the large garden at the back of the house but this was the first time that victorine had ever received an order to show any visitor out that way and she felt she was beginning to be admitted into mademoiselle melanie's confidence an honour for which she had long sighed maurice was about to remonstrate but madeleine said to him imploringly can you not trust me will you not consent to my wishes and trust to their being explained some future day maurice though tormented by the keenest pangs of jealousy could not resist this appeal i trust you ever madeleine he replied taking up his hat when may i see you again when you choose you are always welcome but go now show monsieur through the garden victorine victorine smiled a mysterious assent maurice followed her out of the room but madeleine's intention was unexpectedly frustrated the visitor whom victorine had ushered into the drawing-room had followed her unnoticed to the small entry which led into madeleine's boudoir the forewoman and maurice had only taken a few steps 
when they encountered him maurice exclaimed in astonishment good heavens my father you hear maurice returned the count in a severe tone are you not here my father that is different answered the count hiding his annoyance beneath a frigid air you know what your grandmother said she would be indignant if she knew of this visit and you must be aware that it does not meet with my approval have i reason to think so when i find you here also replied maurice in a manly tone i come as the head of the family and to talk upon a family matter of great importance i do not however wish that my visit here should be known to any one you understand me it is not to be mentioned be assured i shall not mention it said maurice bowing and moving onward as the gentlemen met victorine concluded there was now no need of showing the way through the garden entrance she opened the door of the boudoir to admit count tristan and led the way to the entrance from the street maurice did not comprehend why madeleine's orders were disregarded for he never suspected that his father was the writer of the note at the sound of the footstep on the stair the vicomte raised his head and caught sight of a gentleman who had commenced descending but suddenly turned back as though he also did not wish to be seen he could not however disappear before maurice had recognized lord linden why should lord linden have so rapidly retreated when he thought he might be seen could this languid blasé nobleman be the man madeleine loved could she have been acquainted with him in france when could their acquaintance have commenced why had she never mentioned him it was very singular maurice left the house he had entered with such joyous sensations sadly and slowly madeleine was found at last yet madeleine was again lost to him End of chapter twenty six